0: Hello, everybody. You know who it is. It's me. It's him. Let's get it. All right. Just kidding. All right. So it's your boy, Dr. J, Sean Christopher Jenkins. Then we got right here, Einstein, Justin Lee Howell. Welcome back to our YouTube channels. Wherever you're streaming from, you're probably streaming from my Facebook page, you know, Sean Christopher Jenkins, my LinkedIn page, Sean Christopher Jenkins. I'm streaming live on those. I'm streaming live on my Twitter page, Trouble Don't Last. And that's also my Instagram handle, Snapchat and TikTok. I'm also streaming on my YouTube channel. And you're probably watching the playback on my podcast, which I'm on every podcast platform, you know, upload past Crossroads. So make sure to check that out as well. But anyways, yeah, so those are my social media pages. And then here goes Justin's, you know, you're probably streaming from his YouTube page, Chaplain's Logs. Well, I'm not streaming live on there, but you'll see the playback. So, you know, welcome from, you know, welcome to his channel youtube page as well then also this is his his facebook page so make sure to be friend on there but yeah let's go ahead and get it guys so as you know me and justin have been going through the book of nehemiah we're still in nehemiah chapter one because we're trying to take and share with you all the gems all the nuggets all the revelations just all the things that we could possibly pull out from nehemiah nehemiah chapter one so right now for this video we're focused on nehemiah chapter i mean we're still in nehemiah chapter one and we're focusing on verse four right so that's what we're going to get into today so let me just go ahead and start reading the scripture verses and if i look a little tired of you because you know i am a little tired but it, it's a little late we're starting a little later than what we normally start but it's okay we're still gonna get it i know me and Justin are gonna be uh waking up once we get going so
1: yeah, if i look a little tired it's because i had some whiskey at my dad's place after thanksgiving <laughs> A little different reason.
0: Does that mean you're tipsy a little bit? No, Uh-oh.
1: I'm hoping for a Bible study off tipsy.
0: Right, man. I gotta tell you what happened for Sunday school two weeks ago, man. <laughs> I, I didn't even tell you, man. Like I'm not gonna say it right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you. Just remind me after the study. Yep.
1: Yeah, you have to tell me after this video.
0: Right. All right. So guys, we're in Nehemiah chapter one. I'm going to just read all 11 verses and we're going to focus on verse four today. All right, so let's get it. So the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hecali, and it came to pass in the month of Cheslu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanan and I, one of my brethren came and he and a certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commanded thou servant Moses. Remember I beseech thee the word that thou commanded thou servant Moses saying if ye transgress I would scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost parts of heaven Yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thou servants and thou people whom thou hast redeemed by thou great power and by thou strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ears be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thou name and prosper. I pray thee. Thou servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. All right, guys. So, like I said, we're in Nehemiah chapter one. Uh, Me and Justin have been, we already talked about verse one. We already talked about verse two. We already talked about verse three in separate videos. So, make sure to go to my YouTube channel, upload past Crossroads, see all the rest of the videos we did on Nehemiah chapter one or in the book of Nehemiah all together. But right now, we're focusing on four. for this video right so for a reason it came to pass when i heard these words that i sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fastened and prayed before the god of heaven and so nehemiah was sitting down and weeping and mourning for certain days and fasting and praying before the god of heaven because of the news that he got from his brethren hanani right he came back with a report about the captives that were in Jerusalem the remnant that was in Jerusalem the ones that went back we know in past studies I know that there's like was 10 million Jews or 9 million Jews There's a lot of Jews right and only about 2% of them went back to Jerusalem Around Nehemiah's time period right and they've been back for 90 years Since they first became captives to Babylon 150 years ago, right? So it was 150 years ago that know the northern and southern kingdom both fell so israel wasn't a superpower anymore the babylonians were a superpower then the persians took out the babylonians so we know 90 years before nehemiah's time period the israelites have already been back in jerusalem and then 70 years before nehemiah they built the temple but then nehemiah's wondering in 444 bc around that time period he's wondering in his time period Okay, how are the Israelites doing? What's going on in Jerusalem? And and this is the news he gets from his brother. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. So this was not good news that Nehemiah is getting back from his brethren. And it's news that just crushed his spirit, right? And this is tying in verse four right here. So, all right, Jess, I'll let you start it off, man, if you had anything.
1: Yeah, man, so we're starting in verse four. It's the first thing that kind of struck me, honestly, when I was reading this was that I'm kind of envious of how Nehemiah approached this. And I guess just fresh off, just fresh off the Thanksgiving holiday, fresh off family time, is we'll start off complaining. Well, we try to point the blame to somebody. We'll say, oh, it's the government's fault. Or, oh, it's how the president is running things. Or, oh, it's just like how today's culture or society is, which I'm very guilty of as well. I I don't want to pretend that I don't do the same. Um, But what I'm jealous is about is he fasted and prayed to God. Um, I'm very blessed to have the wife that I have. Yao in the past has when she's faced with a difficult decision or if she's in a season of praying like she will fast just because she wants to um, take it seriously to. show respect to God for whatever she's praying for. So I like how Nehemiah is approaching this of it didn't say he was blaming anybody. Um, I'm sure the biblical text don't show don't tell us everything, but like this is how it's presented. It, presents itself that he showed compassion to them like that's 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 a that's such an admirable thing because it's so easy to blame the victims or victimize people or say um uh, this may be off topic for but for like rape culture or for when you hear on the news about how a black person is getting um injustice in the world like you kind of your first thought is almost like, well, what did they do to deserve this? Did they dress a certain way? Did they act a certain way? Uh, like, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But like, that's where our minds go to is like, why did it turn out this way? Who can we blame? And I think it's because biologically, it makes it easier for our brains to process situations if we can pin the blame onto something or to rationalize it. And in this situation there was like they didn't follow god. This is why jerusalem was fun Was because they didn't follow god in the first place They tried to build their walls and then the walls get torn down the iron gates get like torn down So it's very easy to blame the jewish people for them But no man nehemiah shows compassion to them and he mourns and fasts and prays for these people It's like man. I wish our mindset was directly to that like man why why do we instantly go to like, okay, whose fault is it? Why do we try to assign blame right away? Um Like there's a song I forgot who it was. I even forgot what the song was, but it's like, uh, why is kindness revolutionary? Like why can't we show sign that kindness instantly? Like, I don't know. It's like maybe we're too pessimistic in this world, but just to start off, I'm glad this is, how nehemiah presents his prayer when we get into verses 5 through uh, 10 or 5 through 11 like it's i like how verse 4 sets it up to show that he's going to god for these problems like right away and i like that yeah that's hard that's that's hard to see in today's world
0: right yeah i'm gonna say that in the video you know i'm gonna just talk about it now like It's it's mind-boggling how, you know, Nehemiah's first response, like, to this bad news that he received, this bad report that he received about his people, his lineage, his culture, like, whatever you want, however you want to slice it. Nehemiah has been in Persia for I don't know how long, it doesn't say, you know, but it's for a while, right? He's the king's cupbearer, like, that's the last thing he mentioned in chapter one. We don't see that right now, right, in the first four verses, Right. We just know that he's in persia and technically all the jews are captives to every other nation whoever's the world power right they're all scattered like it says in nehemiah chapters in in this chapter like later on in like verse seven and eight like all of them are scattered so they don't have their own they don't have their own city they don't have their own people together like everybody's just fending for themselves whatever whatever culture they're intertwined in and stuff like that, and other cultures had every other culture had many guys. Only Jerusalem and Israel had one guy, right? So we don't see Nehemiah complaining, we don't see him whining, and we don't see him seeing who can. He don't. He doesn't look for somebody else to fix the problem either, right? He doesn't. He doesn't ask for somebody else to fix the problem or anything, right? And a lot of people do that with God's creation. They go to God's creation instead of going to the Creator for help, right? So Nehemiah didn't do any of those things. Nehemiah immediately did what he knew he could do. And that was to pray and intensely seek God in this situation. Like, that's the first thing he did. So that's the question for us. Like, what's the first thing that you do? You know, uh, some of my questions I had was, there's a post I posted a long time ago. It's a tweet. And I need to post it again because I lost my Twitter page, you know, my 40K following. But anyways, here goes some questions I asked. I said, where do you run to for help? When you are in trouble, what is your first instinct? And do you run to others or do you run to God, right? Is it usually the counsel of another rather than the counsel found and waiting upon God in prayer? And why do we run to man before we run to God? Uh, Nehemiah is a huge advocate. In the first four verses, what do we see? We see that Nehemiah went to God first. He ran to God first, not last. A lot of people use God like a spare tire, right? They use pray- prayer as a spare tire right and here goes a quote it says prayer is not a spare spare wheel that you pull out when you're in trouble it's a steering wheel that directs directs the right path throughout life right it is a steering wheel that directs the right path throughout life right that's what prayer is so don't make moves without praying about it first you know we tend to use prayer as a last resort but God wants it to be our first line of defense we pray when there's nothing else we can do but God wants us to pray before we even do anything at all. And this is what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah chapter one, the application is, you know, you need to pray before you act, pray before you do anything. Prayer should become this natural to us, right? It should be, we should be praying without season constantly. We're going to see that Nehemiah does that constantly in the whole entire book, just with his writing, but that's what he does with his whole life. It's just pray, right? So, Prayer should become this natural to us when we're faced with adversities and challenges and difficulties. Our first instinct should be to pray, don't be in a rush to take action. Right? Pray first. And this is what Nehemiah did like, this was his recourse. Right? This is the best recourse anybody could ever have. Like, Nehemiah didn't rush to the king to get help immediately, he didn't start issuing orders because he could have, because that's the role of a cupbearer. That's one thing we figured out a Persian cupbearer is somebody who basically makes a whole schedule for the king right and basically they're in a leadership position so they they that's probably why nehemiah is so good at giving orders and, and uh, delegating tasks and stuff like that because that's what he does all the time with his occupation right so uh nehemiah he didn't start issuing orders neither did he immediately consult with hanani and others he didn't rely on his own wisdom to begin taking actions. from the world's perspective he did nothing he just sat down and prayed right and so one of my questions i have for everybody is like have you ever felt so strongly about something that you just prayed about it for days at a time right and so yeah. many of us dancers know like <laughs> we don't have that much patience right but nehemiah sought god and the wisdom that comes from god he didn't just weep he didn't just have a pity party he turned to the lord he fasted and he prayed so he knew the only place that real help would come from. And then he knew where help could come from. And that comes from God, right? So when you're faced with challenges and difficulties, our first instinct should be to pray. Don't just rush into action, pray first, right? So that's my main takeaway I got. So, um, yeah, did you have anything else, Justin, before I move on to different stuff?
1: Yeah, I guess just, uh, I kind of skimmed over a little bit, but just like how he showed compassion to them as well. Mm Makes me think about Jesus, Um, just because in some of the Gospels, it's very quick and you'll miss it parts. But like he was trying to leave a city or go somewhere like sometimes crowds of people would show up and he had compassion for them. When Lazarus passed away, like you can't tell me Jesus didn't already know he was going to raise Lazarus up. He knew what he was going to do when he went there. But still, when Mary and Martha were like weeping and sad for their brother, like he wept with them. He had no reason to weep, but he felt compassion with them. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was also mourning with them, I think is an important note because it showed like he connected with them. And like Mm -hmm. that's, um, I think that's a very Jesus-like quality that I appreciate.
0: Yeah, and that goes to what we were saying. I think in the very first video we did with Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah, we talked about with verse 1 how we need to live for others we need to serve others like we need to live a selfless life not a selfish life right as believers like life's not all about you it's about loving your neighbor caring for your neighbor doing whatever it takes to show you know God's love and show god and others you know show show how god is and how he operates by loving others right and you know i'm trying to say guys serving so nehemiah was empathetic he was sympathetic to people he never met before like again Nehemiah has been in Persia. That's all he known is uh, Persia. He's he's eight hundred miles away from Jerusalem, so from God's city. When he was in Shush- Shushan the palace, whoever you want to call it, in verse one, it, it's either way that's Persian territory, right? So, you know, Nehemiah himself didn't face any problems that the people of Jerusalem faced. You know, he was an important official and one of upper class. So he could have just kept on living and enjoying his life dwelling without dwelling on the problems of others especially people 800 miles away from him but he didn't do that right so nehemiah was other centered instead of selfish you know and self-centered right so he had a heart for others and hearing about the struggles of uh, others were having you know hearing about the the struggles that other people are having you know saddened him right so do you have a heart for others? You know, do when you hear about other people's struggles, are you indifferent? And do you perhaps feel empathy with them for a few minutes and then forget about it? Which a lot of people do. Like a lot of people say, I'm going to pray for you when they hear something tragic happen. But then yeah. after that, nothing else happens, right? But we see with Nehemiah, that didn't. that was not the case with verse four. Like it said that he sat down and mourned and fasted and prayed and wept. Four days, right? It said four days, but we know it was longer than four days because uh, from the, from verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 1 to verse 1 in Nehemiah chapter 2, we see that you have the month of Cheslu in, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, and then the month of Nisan. I think that was Nisan, right? Verse 1, Nehemiah 1. But either way, it's a span of four months. So Nehemiah fasted, wept, prayed, and mourned for four months that's a long time right before he said anything to the king right before he even did anything and acted in any kind of way he wanted to make sure that God was that you know God was gonna bless his steps that he was gonna that he was walking in you know obediently to what God wanted instead of doing what he wanted right so we should mourn for those who mourn we should weep with those who weep and Nehemiah was persistent in just doing this right It wasn't just something that happened one time. It was something that happened constantly and daily, right? So is that the same for you, man? Because this is is how important the issue was to Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah didn't just offer up one minute prayer and then move on. He spent a lot of time before the Lord praying about this certain situation and searching for God's will about what he could do about it, right? And so do you do the same thing about the troubles and the struggles and adversities that everybody else is going through? Or do you only care about your own, right? And and if you're really passionate about it and it's really a burden in your heart, then God wants you to act on it. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. I'm not going to spoil that yet. But, you know, one of my questions I have for everybody is, is how long will you pray for something? You know, how long are you willing to wait? You know, and we saw that Nehemiah waited for four months before he did anything, before he asked the king for anything, before he uh, asked and requested things from the king. Just all that stuff. He waited four months. Because there's a time and a place for everything, man. A lot of people want stuff to happen right now in their lives, but God's timing is perfect. And he wants stuff to be done orderly and in a fashion. Like J- Satan wants you to rush. And when you haste makes waste, right? And when you rush, you miss God's timing and God's blessing and God's provision and God's grace and mercy, like I said in verse 11, right? Uh, Nehemiah asked God and prayed for God's mercy when he went before the king, right? God's mercy, God's favor, right? And you're going to miss God's mercy and God's favor and God's grace and blessing when you just try to take the initiative and do things on your own, you know, you know, on your own initiative and on your own timing and plans and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. I'm going to hone in on that more. I'm just trying to build it up right now. But, yeah, and then Nehemiah's immediate reaction was this. He sat down and wept, right, when he got the news from his brother that the gates – Are burned and they're down and the whole city's in ruins and the walls are down there's no protection there's no nothing protecting the city of God right so it's just saying that our God is weak you know our people are weak we're they're living in shame and disgrace so Nehemiah didn't just feel bad for Jerusalem and his people you know right away there's no strength in his legs from the news that he received from his brother so he sat down and he began to weep and mourn about the news that he received. So I want to talk about grieving real quick, man. So I one quote one quote I have for you guys is, you know, it's in grief there's power and we have to grieve before we move to action, right? So a lot of people haven't there's a death that happened in your family or you lost a friend, you lost a parent, you lost a sibling, you just had somebody close to you that died, right? And people are still grieving over a funeral that has happened months ago or years ago right or a job loss right some people lost a job or there's a man or a woman that got away from you you always think about it man i had them but like you know i didn't do what it took to keep them right and then those missed opportunities in college or missed opportunities career-wise you wish you would have made better decisions when you were younger and all that stuff you need to let them go you need to grieve over them and let it go right let go and let guys so we have to grieve before we can move to action right? This is what we see in Nehemiah chapter one, verse four. You have to grieve in order to move forward, right? In grief, there is power. So what, you know, what needs to be grieved in your life? You know, what have you lost in the last year, you know, and in your life that you haven't taken time to feel sad about, to sit in, to weep over, to mourn, even for days? Because rebuilding happens when we grieve over the status quo. You know, rebuilding happens when we take the time we need to take to grieve, right? Grieving and being sad, it's an important emotion. A lot of people like to just be happy and be merry and just skim over being sad and mourning and all that stuff, grieving. But it's an emotion for a reason. We need to face it, right? Or it's gonna, we need to face it or it's gonna face us in some kind of way. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have anything else, Justin, before I keep on going?
1: No, not for that one.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) But, yeah, how did Nehemiah respond to the news that Jerusalem was in in ruins? He wept, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. So any great work of God begins, uh, begins with God doing a great work in somebody, right? So God was going to use Nehemiah to do something about this situation. But first, God did something in Nehemiah, right? He mourned. For many days so what are you mourning about i guarantee god's trying to move you to a work that you know you know he's trying to move you to do a work that's his work right so i'm gonna say that in different ways you know just with a few other things i'm about to say so god wants to do a deep work in us before he can do a great work through us right so god prepared this long ago i told you the setting of nehemiah chapter one is uh 90 years before nehemiah the Israelites returned back to Jerusalem, but 150 years before Nehemiah, they were captives to Babylon for their disobedience you know, against God. There are many disobediences against God. like, And so uh, they've been back for 90 years. Right. But they were living in ruins and in disgrace and in embarrassment and all that stuff. Right. So God prepared this whole process a long time ago. And that's what he's doing in our lives. He's already prepared and has given up the provision and the victory all we got to do is walk in it right all we got to do is figure out what it is right and he's he's ready to work so got prepared he prepared how he was going to rebuild the walls and rebuild the city of jerusalem long long before nehemiah and he prepared this because nehemiah was in an important position in persia he he had a heart that was curious about the welfare of jerusalem and his people right And now we see that Nehemiah had a heart that broke over Jerusalem's needy state. So Nehemiah essentially felt the same way God felt about the city of Jerusalem, you know, God's covenant city, the city that he made a covenant with his people, you know, to, you know, that promised land right there. And so Nehemiah was the only one that really was in a position to help, right? So God was working way before, you know, Nehemiah had the burden way before nehemiah saw the problem god was already working it out right through him and so that's some people's situation right now like i'm trying to not say the application yet trying to wait but let's just go ahead and get to it so like some people feel like their jobs are pointless their jobs are meaningless like they don't see the significance or the value of it right or it could be like you know you know teaching kids i don't know like you're, you're burdened about what you're doing right now right so you probably don't like teaching kids. You don't. You think your job's miserable, right? You think your marriage is miserable. I don't care. Whatever position you are in life, right? God is working it out for your good, right? He's going to use it, and He used Nehemiah's position. Like I know for sure, Nehemiah probably felt like, you know, I wonder what it's like being in Jerusalem. I wonder what it's like, you know, being in God's presence in Jerusalem with my people, right? Like, I don't see the point in being in Persia and being a cupbearer. Yet God still used that position in order to help his people, right? And without that position, he probably could have never even helped his people, right? He's the king's cupbearer. So that means he's close to the king. He has connections with the kings that no other Israelite has. So if any other Israelite would have went to the king and asked, king, can you help us rebuild the wall? He would have said, heck, to the know. But because Nehemiah is always with the king, 24-7, it makes a sacrifice with his life, eating and drinking anything that could poison him that was intentionally meant to poison the king. Like he's sacrificing his life for the king on a daily basis. And he's actually good at his job because the king asked, when can you come back? In, in Nehemiah chapter two, after, you know, Nehemiah asks if he can go back to, you know, help rebuild the walls, you know. So, guys, you get what I'm saying? So, like, God's going to use nothing in your life is meaningless and, or happens accidentally. God's going to use it for your good eventually now it's just going to take time to figure out you know when that is and how it's going to be used and stuff but we see it through the book of nehemiah just right here like a many in many ways so god saw the need in heaven but little would be done until the right man also felt that need like the walls need to be rebuilt for 150 years it's been down they've been the Israelites have been back for 90 and all they built was the temple 70 years before nehemiah and they're still in ruins they're still living in ruins still have no walls no protection no gates no nothing so like yeah god would do something great to meet that need through nehemiah yeah, nehemiah had the same burden but the burden you know just having a burden is not gonna get the job done right just praying about something not gonna get the job done you have to act right so what breaks your heart what grinds your gears you know what really burdens your heart that you would like to change and what ministries are missing in your communities, in your life, in your local church, in your family, you know, what ministries are missing or needs help and need to be implemented in order for, you know, for it to reach its highest potentials and fullest potential. You guys get what I'm saying? So like, yeah, so what, what burdens your hearts? You know, that's what God wants to, do through you right because we're not going to all have the same burdens and stuff like that so one godly individual in the darkest situation can make a big difference and before god can revive a generation he will get the attention of one man and god can touch your life in order to touch a generation right and so i said with verse two you know if god's going to deliver a nation he wants to first get in the heart of one man and god's calling to any ministry always begins in the heart of an individual And if God begins every work in the heart of a person, yeah, God begins every work in the heart of a person who's looking to him. And so this is what we see in the book of Nehemiah, just starting off with verse four, right? right? Like Nehemiah's heart was breaking, but God was working. And that's what happens with us. Whatever is breaking your heart, whatever is tearing you to pieces, God wants to work through that. Now, are you willing to humble yourself and pray and figure out how he wants to work through that, through you, right? So, yeah. (laughs) that was was a lot
1: (laughs) no i like that man you said a lot of things that really hit the mark like one of them is like uh action doesn't happen until the right man comes and like nehemiah is definitely the right man for multiple reasons one he was in a prime place to ask for that favor like he's been taking care of the king he tries all the dangerous stuff like he like you're right, like anybody else who asked that probably wouldn't have gotten off. But since he was in such a good position, like he was able to ask for that stuff. He and I think we said this um a couple of weeks before, he's growing where he's planted. He's able to use his power in order to um get some of that treatment and he doesn't do it for himself, he does it for like the good of the uh Israelites. I thing he said as well was like um very important to like be able to recognize yes for that as well like like Nehemiah had compassion for these people and like he moved in on his compassion like that's something like in um, nowadays sometimes you have to balance like what do you have to do in order to support your family and make money but at the same time what's something that you're passionate about what do you have to what do you really feel for and Nehemiah was able to do like um, find something like for both of those things. He was the right man for the job because he had compassion for the like not a lot of people would be willing to start from ground zero. Like man, he's literally starting with like a, some burned burned walls and a uh, broken down iron gates. But like this was a uh, something he was compassionate about and was able to move forward with. And I think that's um Again, I won't spoil anything until we actually get to the verses that have his prayer. But, like, that's his knowledge on the topic is what he's able to use to, um, not coerce, but, like, influence God to, like, help him with this task. He's almost, like, holding God to the promise that he made. Like, only an educated religious man would be able to do that. That's that's something I like about Nehemiah is, like, man, the Pharisees during Jesus' time were, like, super knowledgeable about the scripture they wore that stuff but they didn't understand the spirit of it Mm. but nehemiah knew the old testament inside and out he must have if he knew the promises of god there was like no way unless he already knew the topic but he was using that not to like hold power or to lord himself over other people we've already talked about how humble nehemiah is but he used that in order to have god help him with um the the Jerusalem people he had it so he would be able to justify his actions to help a group of people that he had compassion for and that's that is I think that's in the spirit of the law like the spirit of the law as Jesus would used it was not to not to uphold not to uphold the law for the sake of upholding the law but to follow the law in order to help others And not to let the law impede on that goal, not to impede on that um, endeavor. So that's, I just like that because Nehemiah is just like a smart cookie. He knows what he's doing and I can appreciate that. Like he's the right man for this job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing too. Uh, In my church, we talked about how, um, with Nehemiah chapter 1, we talked about for that Sunday school lesson, how you know, Nehemiah didn't show any leadership qualities before uh, he went to Jerusalem and started delegating who went, who was going to rebuild what wall, who's going to rebuild what gate, right? What people, you know, who's going to help with the work, who's not going to help with the work. Like before that, he really didn't show any leadership qualities. But like I said, like you know, like, like you said, you know, grow where you're planted, you know. Nehemiah didn't. He wasn't the type of person to toot his own horn and say, you know, what he does and all his accomplishments and stuff like that. But as a cupbearer, like we've been saying, you know, he would delegate tasks all the time and have a certain schedule for the king set in place and for himself. You know, so, yeah, so Nehemiah had already had the leadership qualities and stuff like that. But one of my biggest takeaways with just Nehemiah chapter one in general is it takes a team and it takes a community to do guys work. And so there's no way Nehemiah could have rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem on his own. Like, he heard about the gates being down. He heard about the walls being down. He heard about how the whole city's in ruins and how the people are living constant embarrassment and fear every single day. And thieves could come and steal everything they have because they have no walls of protection and no gates, you know, protecting the whole city and stuff like that. So, you know, Nehemiah, you know, had to be a leader. And he had to be one, a leader, somebody who influences other people to get a job done, right? And so God was stirring this up in Nehemiah long, long ago, way before he got this news, right? So Nehemiah is a book for about leadership, essentially, and it's something we obviously need today. So since leadership is influence, you know, leadership applies to everybody, especially all of God's children. Like you're going to lead in some kind of fashion, in some kind of way on a daily basis you could be because you're a parent and you have children you're a leader right You could be you're a school teacher you're gonna lead kids right managers you know of you know companies you know managers of uh projects you know in the agile process and stuff like that you know owners of businesses like you're gonna lead in some facet in some way in life right so everyone has an arena of leadership In some way, everyone is a leader. The question is, are you a good leader or are you a bad leader? And we see with Nehemiah, he must be a pretty great leader because before he does anything, what does he do? He he prays, right? Even though he's in a leadership position, he can do anything he wants, right? No, I'm going to pray about it first and really discern to make and ask God for his wisdom to make sure if what I'm doing is the best possible solution. Is it what God's going to bless, right? So and a lot of people don't do that. They don't count the cost before they act and before they build a house. Right. Before they do anything. And so they reap the percussions of that. Right. So leaders must have a big vision as well. Right. And Nehemiah had a huge vision. Right. So this is the issue that has happened for 150 years. I'm going to keep on putting emphasis on that because Nehemiah mentality seemed to be like this. He seemed to say, like, you know, through me, God is going to correct a problem that has been around for 150 years. And through me, God is going to do something that has completely failed before. So before Nehemiah, like at least 10 or 15 years before the book of Nehemiah, we had the book of Ezra. And Ezra tried to, he he wanted to rebuild the temple, which he did. And he also wanted to rebuild the walls and the gates, which wasn't his calling. It wasn't what God called him to do. And it didn't work out for him. The same king that Nehemiah is about to ask, you know, can you rebuild the walls for us you know can well can i go and rebuild the walls this is the same king that denied ezra the same request so this king has no reason to give nehemiah or his people anything right but he's essentially going to say yes because it was in god's timing it was with god's provisions god's mercy god's everything god was in it right and so god's not in it it's not going to work out right and so yeah so we see how like god's operating in the book of nehemiah just and how he operates in our lives right here so yeah so if you have a you know if you don't basically i'm trying to say too is you know do you have a big vision right you know so what what do you want to do in the kingdom of god right now right what a god place on your heart to do you know what what has god given? what god-given dream and what visions you know what, what has come to your mind when it comes to anything like that, right? And so you know, my last question is, you know, is it grand? Is it big? Is it great? Because if it's not, I don't think it's from God, right? So, <laughs> because, like, this is the book of Nehemiah, right? Like, this is a problem that has happened for 150 years, and nobody has seemed to fix the Israelites' predicament at all. But in order for, for us to fix any kind of predicament and problems in life, you know it's going to take us doing a work right a lot of people just expect god to do it but god has to use somebody in order to do it right so it's will he use you to to solve the issues the problems the dreams whatever it is you know that god has placed on your heart to to do it so what great work has god placed on your heart to do for him that you know you cannot do alone right and so that's what i said in my last sunday school lesson in even chapter 3 like it took no 120 years to, read, to to build the ark 120 years like how long would it have taken nehemiah to rebuild the walls of jerusalem if he did it by himself like the walls of jerusalem was a mile and a half or two miles long so like i wonder how long it would have took him if he would have did it by himself but we know that this only took the israelites the people who helped to build this project it only took them 52 days right which is not long at all and so it takes a team to do god's work that's my whole point man so a lot of people expect like you know they try to do stuff alone but god you know he he made us a community he made us to work you know we're the body of christ so we're supposed to be working in our functions and working together in unification to glorify his name and stuff like that so i'm gonna talk about god's size dreams in a minute but Justin, you have anything to add with that
1: no no Yeah, i think you can keep on going right now i'm saving some of it for the next verses
0: okay yeah so one of my last uh, few points is you know your dreams should be so big that without god they are impossible to achieve and if your vision doesn't scare you then both your vision and your god are too small and if the size of your vision for your life isn't intimidating to you there's a good chance it's insulting god so yeah so that's why I asked everybody you know what's your God-given dream what God put on your heart that you know you need to do and implement in this world to glorify him to expand the kingdom to save souls all that stuff and are you going to do it like it takes action you can pray about it all you want you can have the conviction about it all you want you can wish all you want but are you willing to do the work to get it get the job done right because you can't get away from the work right and so one of my favorite videos I ever did on my YouTube channel was called an itch that won't go away so i'm gonna share my screen you guys should totally watch this video man so it ties in with this lesson like crazy so basically you know how you when you scratch you have an itch like and you want to scratch it but have you ever had an itch and you never got to scratch it before like how bad that itch feels like when you have an itch and you can't scratch it just just how like annoying it is like and just all you think about and you just want to scratch it but you can't right That's how it is when you have a God dream, like a God vision, a God mission, a God purpose. Like it's the itch that won't go away, right? So it's something you always think about. It's something that's always on your heart. And if you don't don't itch that scratch now, it's just gonna keep on getting worse and worse. Like you keep on being more gnawing. I think that's the word I'm looking for. So like, what are you willing to do to, to, to scratch that dream, to scratch that surface of what God's trying to do in your life, right? and so it's gonna take work in order to do that so yeah i want to throw that out but like yeah so like this is this dream that nehemiah had about rebuilding the walls of jerusalem man like this is not an easy task like it's hard on multiple levels and it's not just something he can do you know on his own like this is something that god has to ordain and work out for him on so many levels right because we learned that even when he got back to jerusalem when he finally got to go there right he faced opposition as soon as he got there because there's people who had a burden in their heart to not ever allow the people of israel the people of jerusalem to ever have their walls rebuilt and their gates rebuilt or anything like that so they had a they didn't want that to happen either right so yeah so he faced opposition just doing the right thing doing the godly thing right so and that's what it happens when you have God visions, when you have God dreams and big goals and stuff like that. You know, It's going to be people that try to stop you from doing work. It's going to be obstacles in your way, 800 miles away from where he lives right now, 100 miles away from wh- where he lives right now. He has to go to Jerusalem. That's a trip, man. So, like, man, he had a lot of obstacles to face. Then he had to ask the king. You don't just ask the king for stuff. Like, this king, he has to hold up the scepter and allow you to talk. You don't just get to talk to him when you want to talk to him and you can't be sad in his presence if you're sad in his presence he can kill you i'm talking about that with Nehemiah chapter two but um if you're what if no matter what position you're in if you're before the king in persia you have to always put on a smile on his on your face because when you're around the king he is this looked at as uh the king has a lot of problems he has a lot of stuff he has to go through on a daily basis trying to help the nation out and stuff like that so he's stressed so you need to smile, smile in his presence and don't ever frown or anything like that because he already has enough problems. So if you do that, he can behead you and kill you right on the spot. So Nehemiah had to go through that while, while he's mourning over his people, mourning over his family struggling in Jerusalem, right? So that's a lot to go through, man. So yeah, I'm going to talk about the power of prayer in a minute. But yeah, Justin, man, I just, yeah, I'm going all over the place, man. My notes ain't organized at all.
1: You're good. I'm gonna piggyback on what you said as well because that relates to one of my notes as well It actually relates to something i've been going through Recently like there will be a lot of opposition when you're trying to fight when you're trying to fight for god or follow god um Because like a couple of things like in in first samuel Like uh, david was david had a prime opportunity to kill Saul when he was like in the cave by himself because like uh, Saul let his guard down. Uh, David had every opportunity. Like, Saul was hunting down David like an animal. But, like, he didn't, even though, like, his men said that was the perfect opportunity. That was like a, that was God. They were saying, like, God was delivering Saul to them. But David didn't because he felt like um, that wasn't what God was calling him to do, which is crazy because. At that point, David had no problem with killing people. You had David's men, who I thought at the time were kind of right. You want to strike down the man who's trying to kill you, but like he was following. He thought that's what God was trying to tell him. Um, me personally, like my my brother thinks uh, hearing God is kind of crazy. Um, that it's uh, I love my brother. I'm not trying to talk bad about him, but I took him to church last Sunday. And we were listening to some people's testimonies and stories with God and he he thinks like we justify our actions by saying God told them to. Like sometimes that happens, but like I legitimately think like God tries to communicate with people. Nehemiah must have thought that too, if he was trying to pray and listen for God, God's direction. And like there's a lot of people who are going to say you're crazy or you're not doing or like uh, you're just not doing things right but it's like you have to you have to follow God to the best of your abilities like it's hard sometimes you think God wants you to do something and that's just your own feelings it's very hard to take yourself personally out of this I I I would have to say like it must have been hard for Nehemiah to take himself out of this equation as well and just listen to God because he was very compassionate to the people of Jerusalem too. like he i bet he was thinking man i just need to go and do this and get this done which wouldn't be wrong but he was trying to listen to god he's trying to take himself out of this And that's so so hard to like see less of yourself and make room more for god so i i i really think it's uh you have to appreciate trying to fight for god because there is a lot of people there is a lot of this world that's trying to put you down for that stuff Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm going to read the verse again and then say some, some of my last points. So Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, that's the verse we're focusing on today, guys. So it says Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned a certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So the emphasis is I prayed, right? So prayer is essential to leadership. You can't be a leader if you don't pray, right? And you can't be a great leader if you don't pray right cuz you got to make sure what you're doing is what god wants right and so um yeah and then also people are uh dependent on you like <laughs> then people are uh I'm trying to find a good word for it but basically uh like the bible says you know you're a sh- you need to be a good shepherd right you can't just lead the flock astray you got to make sure what you're doing is ordained by god and it's what god wants for all the flock for all the sheep for everybody right not just for yourself And so Nehemiah, this is what he's doing, man. He's praying before he does anything, right? Because he knows that, you know, it may be a good shot that, you know, I'm going to have to lead the whole task because maybe I'm the only one that has the burden and wants this to be done, but that's not true. Everybody had the burden, but not everybody was willing to or had the resources to do what Nehemiah is about to do, which was get the king on board to help with the building project. Right. And so, yeah. So, we, we we put a lot of emphasis on how nehemiah prayed for four months right so the foundation of this whole project before nehemiah did anything the foundation was built on prayer it was built on you know going to god and making sure like this is what he wants right and we knew that he went to god because i'm gonna spoil it in nehemiah chapter two nehemiah knew everything he needed for the task. so the king first question the queen the king asked him while the queen was right beside him was, you know, how long will you be gone for? And Nehemiah set before him a time. That's what the verse says. Then it says in Nehemiah chapter two, you know, you know, what do you need? Like, what do you want? And Nehemiah said, I need a letter from the king. So when I go there, I have a letter from the king telling everybody, all the enemies of God that wants to stop the work that, you know, this is from the king. I'm just doing what the king wants me to do. Right. I need uh, lit, uh, timber. I need uh, lumber, you know, wood. So he had to go to a certain person in the forest who was over all the wood and the timber and stuff like that. And then he needed all the king's uh, army. He had the king's army and back in, you know, he basically had the king's army and horsemen and stuff like that back in him with the building project. So if enemies did come to try to take him out and all the Israelites, they would have a problem. You know because they have to face the king's army and stuff like that so yeah man so this 52-day project was built upon a foundation of prayer so if your vision is so big that only god can accomplish it obviously you need to be praying and a lot of people don't do that right if prayer isn't absolutely necessary to accomplish your vision your goal isn't big enough right so i hope this is inspiring everybody you know what is god calling me to do what vision and, and purpose and goals you know whatever it is what do i what am i trying to do for god because if it ain't big enough it ain't from god man that's what i'm trying to say so we can pray and talk to god about the problem and ask him for help so whatever your problem is that you're facing and stuff like that just pray to god about it take take it to god so nehemiah took his pain and stress to god in prayer and seemingly was able to leave it there right so nehemiah shows us what we can do as believers when our hearts are broken right so prayer will relieve you from stress that's the biggest point i wanted to make so Yeah, you may be trying to relieve stress through entertainment, you know, through masturbation, through porn, through whatever it is. You thinking outside sources can make you happy in the inside, and that's not true. That just divert your attention and divert, you know, how you're feeling for a moment, right? So, entertainment and those type of solutions they don't solve the problems, and they're not the solutions to stress. So, but prayer is right. So, prayer will give you the strength when you wait on the lord in prayer he will renew your strength and that's isaiah 40 verse 31 you know but those who wait upon the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount upon wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not be faint and so uh one one of my biggest points with nehemiah chapter one is and just the book of nehemiah in general what i've been seeing is that nehemiah prayed constantly he prayed without season but just with focusing on chapter one because that's what we're in we see in verse four that you know he mourned a certain amount of days he fasted and prayed before the god of heaven so i'm guessing he prayed for a certain amount of days as way as well but he wept he mourned he fasted and prayed for a certain amount of days right and then we see in verse five you know i beseech thee o lord of heaven so that's another prayer in verse six he says let Thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open that thou mayest hear this prayer of thou servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night. You prayed this prayer day day and night. He prayed it before him right then. In verse 11, O Oh Lord, I beseech thee. Like, you know how many times Nehemiah was praying before God, man? So we see persistent prayer here. We see constant communication with God. And so one of my questions I was gonna ask for everybody you know, is is you no, know, is uh is it okay to pray to god about the same things over and over again right and is it okay to bug god you know constantly right is that what god wants from us a lot of people say no like <laughs> no it's not okay to pray to god constantly without season but we see scripture verses that says do that you know first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 says pray without season right we see that you know uh in luke chapter 11 verse 5 through 10 uh Jesus said, you know, asking and shall be given, seeking you should find knocking the door will be open to you. for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open for them. So if you really want something, you'll constantly go to God for it, right? You'll constantly pray, be praying about it. you'll constantly be depending on him to uh, make a breakthrough for you you know through that situation and stuff like that. So like one of my favorite stories in the Bible is about the parable of, the parable of the persistent widow right? And the unjust judge. And basically the story is, you know, a widow lost everything when her husband died, obviously, because she's a widow, right? And the government took everything that she had and took it for themselves. When it wasn't theirs to take, it was hers, right? Because she's a woman, they didn't care in that time period, right? And so when Jesus told the story, he said that the widow went to the unjust judge. He had no fear of God and no fear of man. And she continually pleaded to the judge to give her back what was taken from her and the judge kept on putting her off like not even entertaining what she said but she kept on being persistent and asking him constantly right on a daily basis basis and this is what he said it says for some time he refused but finally he said to himself even though i don't fear god or care what people think yet because this widow keeps bothering me i will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me and the lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not god bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night will he keep putting them off and that's a question for you guys will god keep putting you off you keep going to him and crying about something because if an unjust judge a person who has no fear of god no fear of man doesn't give a hill of beans what anybody thinks if they can give an unjust widow or nobody Something that they won't, even though she had to go to her, go to him persistently. What makes what makes you think a just and a fair and loving father wouldn't give his child something if they ask for it? Right? And that's constantly crying. You know, will God keep putting you off your justice that you're asking for? You know, that blessing that you're seeking from him? No, the answer is no. So you got to keep on going to him. So God responds and respects persistent prayer. It's okay to keep asking and keep going to him on a daily basis about something. He recommends it actually, right? So Nehemiah did this day and night. This is what we see, right? In verse 6 in Nehemiah chapter 1, it says that he persistently prayed for 4 months. So are you persistent in your prayers, you know, or do you barely pray for things? You know, are you praying for something one time and one time only and then expect expect it to happen? And that's some points I want to make to you guys, you know, you know, don't just pray about things one time and then leave it there, right? If you barely pray for something, it's evidently it's evident that you don't really want it. And if you want it, you know, if you really wanted what you were praying for, it'll be something that's always on your mind, something that you always pray and talk to God about. It'd be something you will go to Him continually, you know, asking Him for on a daily basis. If you really want it, you know, if you really wanted it to happen and stuff like that. So that's my takeaway with Nehemiah chapter one, verse four as well. And I got one more point, but Justin, if you had anything to add to that, man
1: yeah i think like that's uh i feel like that's another g it's amazing how much allow nehemiah has to jesus in my opinion is he did spend a lot of time like every day for what was it four months praying to god, praying to god and like um jesus kind of set that example his disciples like he would wake up early to pray to god and he didn't have to like he was god like why did he do that and some people argue because jesus was setting the example that we had to um that we had to follow and i felt like nehemiah is also setting the example he has to pray because he's not jesus but like he's also setting a good example that we need to constantly go to him like he needs to be better than what the jews did otherwise he's going to have another burned down wall yeah. Um, he is praying to God constantly in order to make these dreams a realization and he just finds that good balance and we talked about this in another Bible study he finds this good balance of praying to God and seeking his counsel before he does something versus taking action himself and like as we find out later he does take action but not before like really consulting with God about this so i feel like he is very jesus-like in that quality but he also finds a good balance for that yeah
0: yeah he fasted and prayed before the god of heaven so nehemiah's reaction went beyond the immediate emotion he was feeling right so many times a concern will come and flush over us and then quickly pass so our emotions are fickle right we can't trust it but like when it comes to like a burden on your heart like when it comes to like you know, a calling and a purpose that God is calling you for is something that doesn't go away. It's an itch that never fades and it's until you scratch it, until you do something about it. And this is Nehemiah's itch. His itch was Jerusalem and, it, and God's people living in ruins, living in disgrace and shame. Like, this should not be the case for God's children. Like, this is a huge problem because our God is greater than that, man. So this is the burden on his heart, man. So it didn't quickly pass him. Like, you know, it, be, it said he mourned for certain days. Like, for months, he mourned about this. It would not go away, right? He had to do something about it. And I'm telling you guys now, whatever that burden is that's burning your heart, that won't go away, it's not going to go away until you do something about it. Because that's how you know you want a God's children. Like, God's calling you to do something about it. Your burden is your calling. We did we talked about that last video, man. So, whatever that burden is, God wants you to act and do something about it. And if it's from the Lord, that burden is only going to get worse. It's only going to abide in you and grow and fester until you do something about it until you pray and you ask god you know how do i do something about it and you act on it right so the burden will remain until the problem that prompted the burden is solved right so prayer and that's what i want to focus on too you know the burden will never pass until you do something about it man so prayer shows us shows you know prayer only shows us what we really desire what we really want So if you stop praying about something apparently you don't want it that much and it's not your calling it's not your concern if you stop and you give up on god on it you know so i just want to throw that out so another takeaway is you know if the concern is missing then the calling is missing right so we see that with nehemiah he had a concern for god's people he had a concern about their living situation even though he was living good right So, if something really meant a lot to you, you wouldn't stop praying for it. Nehemiah kept on praying about people, you know, that (laughs) kept on praying about people that had nothing to do with him, right? That's a true Christian right there, man. A true person with God's love. You know, if you, if you know how you treat your neighbor shows how much you love God and shows if you have the love of God in you. And Nehemiah is praying about people he, he probably will never have to live with never have anything to do with never been there before all that stuff right so we keep on saying that so yeah man one another part i want to give to you guys is you know if god gives you a burden god will give you the strength right and so with nehemiah man he he had a burden that cost him to sit down and weep and god kept on giving him more and more strength in how he would he gave him strength by showing him how i want to how i want to use you in order to fix this problem that has existed for 150 years and i know this is some people some people have experienced that man because i i experienced it you know when i had a burden and i had a problem that i thought couldn't be solved god lifted me up by showing me what he wanted to do how he's going to work and how he's going to get me through it so it gave me strength when he did all that and that's what he did with nehemiah man so if god gives you a burden god will give you the strength you know and the burden you bear often reveals the calling your embrace right And so this is the whole uh, story of Nehemiah, man. So God's just showing Nehemiah the direction he wants him to go in by the burden that's on his heart. And that's probably what God's doing through, you know, your life right now or trying to do. But are you willing to humble yourself and be obedient to his will and go in the direction he wants you to go to? Right. So, yeah, I just want to say that. And then, uh, Justin, actually, I almost read all my notes, man. I'm almost done. (laughs)
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. I feel like uh, we're ra- really wrapping up chapter 4 now. We're about, to, uh, not chapter 4, verse 4. Mm-hmm. I think we're pretty close to, like, actually getting into this prayer. But, yeah, I feel like we've mentioned this plenty of times before as well. That, like, uh, before, like, before we get into the meat of things, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the prayer, like, first things first, like, Ah, uh, Nehemiah pray to God. And I think I think that's a difficult thing to like this this is a little hard. I was debating on like explaining this too. This was in my notes. Um, because I'm not entirely sure if it's on topic. But like the part of the part of it where we are that thing. The part where we're trying to discern what God wants from us as well. Is very difficult like it's one thing to pray But it's very hard to like listen as well I don't know what nehemiah heard from god. I don't know how that conversation went a lot of times And that's a very different thing i've noticed in old testament Is like we get some verses of what god says exactly like to isaiah or to the other prophets But like for nehemiah, we don't know how that conversation went down But we do know that it took months so we have to assume like Nehemiah was listening to God. We have to assume that he didn't hear a response from God right away. So I think a very difficult part is like, how do we listen to God? How do we discern what is from God? Because one thing that my brother did point out is sometimes we use God as a justification for our actions. When we don't know, we don't really know. We don't. Oh, like, if that's what God really wants or not. But we assume that Nehemiah was listening to God the whole time. Otherwise, he would have prayed once or twice, felt good about it, then be on his way. But no, he was listening to God. And I think that's very important balance to look for is how can we do things, but also, like, really listen to what God wants from us. Yeah. Don't have a great answer for that because it's a per- personal journey. Like everyone communicates with God differently. I don't think he does it the same way. I feel like maybe he talks to people directly, but I feel like for some people he communicates to them through imagery or analogies or like through things in their everyday lives. So it's different for people. Yeah. But I definitely think we need to take our time to figure out what God's best interest before we take that action. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, if I'm being honest, I never fasted before, so I wonder, just from a perspective of fasting, how somebody would, you know, what's what's their takeaway with this text? But I could just talk about just praying and mourning and weeping and uh, and all that stuff. So like we see in in Nehemiah chapter one verse four that you know Nehemiah fasted and prayed, right? But he didn't do this in public, right? He didn't do this in front of everybody. And for everybody to see, he didn't gloat about it and say, I'm fasting and all that stuff. So, but he would have the opportunity of praying in front of somebody, but not really out loud, right? And that was, he did that in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, when the king asked, you know, what's your request? What do you want from me? What can I do for you? Why are you mourning and weeping and all that? What do you need from me? Right? And it said in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, that Nehemiah prayed right on the spot. And I prayed before the God of heaven. After the king asked, you know, you know, what are you, what are you requesting? What do you want? Obviously, he wouldn't do it out loud to a Persian king who believes in any type of god that there is. But Nehemiah prayed before God in season and out of season, in private and in public, wherever he was. He prayed, and that's what we should be doing, right? We should be praying that constantly, make sure that all, all of our tasks, all our deeds, all our works, everything that we do is lined up to God's will and what God wants for us, right? and so uh yeah man so i wanted to just hone that in because a lot of people pray you know to be seen like a pharisee and one of my favorite videos i did on my youtube channel i don't know if i did this with you justin and i talked about this video before but one of my favorite videos i ever did on my youtube channel is called this you know god honoring piety piety that honors god and i talked about uh, matthew chapter 6 verse 1 through 8 and basically with matthew chapter 6 verse 1 through 8 it talks about how jesus was talking and he was telling the disciples, you know, don't be like the Pharisees who give to the poor only to be seen, only to get a hand clap. You know, don't be like the Pharisees who pray out loud in the synagogues and on the street corners for people to hear them because that's their reward. You know, being seen by men and the hand clap that they get from men, that's their reward. Right. Don't be like the Pharisees who, uh, you know, who who uh, do things publicly but don't, don't ever do things privately, you know, with him. Right. And so is that you like, do you only do things publicly to be seen? Do you only give God g- glory in public, in church, you know, are you only glorifying God on Sundays, but then Monday through Saturday, you forgot about them and all that stuff. Right. So like, you know, God was saying, you know, pray in, in your closet, pray in private. Then the guy who, you know, who is in private will bless you in public. Right. You know in secret you know the guy you get what i'm saying guys like god cares about your heart and your motives and your intentions he don't care about you know he doesn't care about you trying to be seen by men and all that stuff because if you are trying to do all that man you're not glorifying him you're not doing things with the right motives and intentions so obviously this isn't nehemiah's heart nehemiah doesn't have a heart to like get the glory to gloat to do things to be seen and all that stuff no he's doing things for god and god only right it said in Nehemiah chapter one, verse 11, that I pray before the God of heaven. And he kept on saying it in Nehemiah chapter one and two. Like, I pray before the God of heaven, the true king of kings and Lord of lords. Like it says in verse 11, that I have to go before the king who's man, who's a man, but I serve the one true king, you know, the living king, God almighty, right? So like he knew who the real king was and how the real king controls every king's heart and all everybody's heart, right? He dictates everything, God's over all of it, right? Even if a person's not saved and everything like that, God can still use that person to do his work if he wants to. Right. And he's going to use that with the uh, Persian king and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the lesson, man. Prayer changes things, guys. So, you know, are you praying about, you know, what you want, that burden that's on your heart? Because you're not praying about nothing can happen. Right, That's why nothing's happening right now because you ain't praying about it. Are you praying about it constantly for months, for years, for days? And how long are you willing to pray for it in order to, for it to be done? This is why a great work happened in, uh, in Jerusalem because one man took the time to pray on a daily basis. And so in this world, there's so much work that needs to be done. So are you praying and are you seeking God? For help and counsel and wisdom on how to get the job done, because if you're not, it's not going to ever get done, guys. So yeah, man, Nehemiah had a clear understanding of who he was fasting and praying to, the God of heaven, man. So there are many guys in people's minds and many guys that people trust in, but only the God of heaven can really meet our needs. So Nehemiah's sorrow was eased. His he, he had an unburdened spirit. By pouring out his complaint before the god of heaven and leaving it there instead of going to man so this is what we should be doing guys man so we should always be turning to god and fasting to god so he can comfort us so we can get the answers that we're looking for and we can get the directions that we're looking for and receive the hope that we need through all our adversities all our pains all our sufferings and all that stuff guys so yeah that's the that's the end of the video but basically you know when was the last time you fasted and prayed for something You know when was the last time what were you fasting and praying about and was it really something of god or was it something significant uh according to his word right so yeah so there's so much to take away with that man
1: i'll say too is i think fasting and that's something i forgot to say is i think fasting is a very unrelated method as well and i wish mm -hmm. i to before it giving up something physical in order to reach for something more spiritual and I think that is very in the spirit of fasting because a lot of times especially like hanging out with some of them um, Muslim culture is fasting is kind of just a more real ritual thing it's like an action that they do but that's only part of it like, Fasting should be in part with prayer as well because you're trying to seek for something spiritual. I think to reach something like that, you have to almost give up something uh physical in order to reach that, which is very difficult. But yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's all I had to say for that. It's like it's a very un un uh it's a very uh low rated thing that I think we should try to do more of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it just shows how committed Nehemiah was to get an answer from God. Like, if you if you want to answer from God, you're willing to do anything to get it, right? To those who ask, you know, they get the answer if they ask. For those who seek, they find, right? And those who knock, the door will be open unto them, like that verse we read. That's even Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. So if you lose your car keys, you're not going to find it if you don't look for it, Right? If you want the answer to a test, you got to find where the answer is. You know, you got to look for it, and then you'll find it. You want those opportunities, you got to knock. You got to go looking for it. Opportunities don't just come to you. Like, people just think the answer is going to come to them. You know, the job's just going to come to them. Like, the career path is just going to come to them. No, you got to do a work. You got to figure out what that is. You have to go knocking and asking and seeking and finding, right? So, like, same thing with God. Like, I think Nehemiah, he, he took the, he went the extra mile. He fasted, he prayed, he mourned, he wept. He did all this stuff just to get an answer from God. So, like, are you willing to do the same thing? So, like, yeah, when it comes to fasting, man, like, I I I want to do it, Justin, but, like, yeah, I just, I never had to do it, you know? I tried. I just, I, I get, I get hangry, man. It's just hard. <laughs> yeah, but that's the video, guys. I think we're done. You good, Justin?
1: Yeah, I think I'm good, too. Those are good. I, I can't wait to like really get into his prayer. But yeah, first four was good in leading into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, it's Thanksgiving week, man. So I know Justin just ate. So I think he's a little tired. I know I'm a little tired, too. So, um, yeah. So if you're wondering what's off with us, that's what it is. But anyways, guys, I pray you guys enjoyed the video. If you watched all the way through, thanks for watching again. And uh yeah, so you know the drill, man. Here goes my social media pages. Make sure to follow me on all of them. Like, comments, subscribe, share, turn on the post notifications so you know when I post on all of them and stuff like that. But all my social media pages are banging. Check them out, man, for real. And then also, uh, again, this is my YouTube channel right here. Also, I'm on every podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. So just look up Upload up, up Past Crossroads on wherever you get your podcast from. And subscribe to that leave a comment what you think and stuff like that on my podcast and stuff and then also uh on my YouTube channel upload past crossroads i have playlists on there a lot of playlists but here goes one that ties in with the study we just did so if you want to hear all the sermons bible studies and stuff like that i've done on the book of nehemiah checked out that playlist and then also on the book of nehemiah chapter one that's what me and justin are are currently in right now you can see all the sunday school lessons bible study sermons i did on that on nehemiah chapter one on my uh playlist on my youtube channel as well and then also here goes justin's youtube channel chaplains Log. so make sure to subscribe to his youtube channel turn on the post notifications so you know when he uploads another video like all his videos comment and share and then here goes his facebook page justin lee howell make sure to be friend him on there and thanks for tuning in guys especially if you watched all the way through god bless you happy thanksgiving i pray you guys have a stupendous and spectacular rest of your weekend until we meet again god bless see you later